Hello, and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm Iman Rastagari, sitting in for Matt Weber, and today I'm talking with Helen Yunts Malone and Santiago Rincon Gallardo, whose book, Future Directions of Educational Change, will be published this September. Helen and Santiago, welcome to the Harvard EdCast. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let's start with the origin story. How did you two meet and how did you decide to work on this project together? Well, I can start briefly. We uh, were both Harvard uh, graduate school education uh, doctoral students. Uh, I think Santiago started a year after I started. We were both in the Ed Policy Leadership Instructional Practice. Uh, so we were both alums of the EPLIP program. Um, and, you know, we met just uh, as students. I think our cro- paths crossed even further when we were both uh, serving as officers. I'm currently officer in Santiago's former officer of, of the American Educational Research Association, or AERA, Educational Change SIG, or Special Interest Group. Um, and so within that context, we have collaborated and worked together within uh, the SIG of Educational Change and really bringing global network of leaders. Uh, We have a series within the special interest group called Lead the Change, which was a monthly newsletter that we launched back in the summer 2011. It's still going strong. And so that was sort of the impetus for the conversation um, and for this project. So where did the idea for this book come from? So we, uh, again, with the Lead the Change uh, newsletter, it was really designed to create a very short Q&A with scholars across the globe and how they're approaching educational change, both in terms of uh, research, but also research to practice. And out of that, uh, I've created a volume back in 2011, which is part of another uh, EdCast, that was called Leading Educational Change that was designed to provide a menu of ideas of how scholars and practitioners across the globe were thinking about some of the salient issues of educational change research and how do we bridge research and practice more effectively. And so really that volume was uh, used by practitioners, by scholars uh, across the globe to advance ideas, to get familiar with ideas in educational change. The impetus was as we progress and lead the change, a lot of the focus on our conversations is kind of where we are now. And so we start to pivot and think about based on where we are now and based on some of the kind of common through lines and emerging work, where do we think we're headed in terms of the future direction of educational change? And so it's really building off and um, harnessing the wonderful network that we have within our educational change special interest group, as well as the field at large, and building the conversation and furthering uh, our conversation of uh, what are some of the kind of core concepts where we need to be heading next. And we chose the three kind of streams that have traditionally been more in silos and really tried to focus attention on both what are some salient issues around social justice, professional capital, and whole system change, not just on their own, but how do they intersect in order to enrich and broaden perspectives on educational change. One one of the reasons why uh, we decided to publish this book is uh, we felt like a, a recent anthology uh, for the educational change was long overdue. Uh, the field of educational change has been uh, featuring some very important anthologies. Uh, one one series published in the late 90s, the International Handbook of Educational Change, and then another compilation by Ciaran Sugrue in 2008. 
but we felt it was uh, it was important to to uh, launch a more recent anthology, mostly for two reasons. First, the field continues to grow and diversify in many uh, different directions, and second, um, we feel like there's a new, very daunting scenario for the future of humanity and the planet as a whole uh, that does require that we uh, clarify and redefine the the role of formal education. So we thought it was an important moment right now to capture some of the emerging ideas for the future of educational change. That's awesome. One of the things that you mentioned is that uh, these three streams have been siloed in the past and that you were looking for finding ways of, of intersecting them. Why do you think that they have been kept siloed in the past and what did you find as you tried to find uh, the bridges between them? Uh, one of the things that, uh, let, let me start with social justice, which is the, the area that has been most overlooked of the three sections that we have in the, uh, organized in this book. Um, social justice is probably the one that has been most overlooked uh, in the educational change field. When I talk about social justice, I'm referring to the pursuit of, uh, you know, the, the, the the fight for individual and collective freedom, the role that school may play in uh, exacerbating or uh, reproducing inequalities, the role of schooling on oppression, issues of power, issues of equity, etc. Overall, the educational change has been built on the assumption that um, schooling is good and everything that schooling brings is good. Uh, but uh, that assumption needs to be uh, questioned. And that's why we decided to bring the social justice uh, issue or the topic into the conversation. Uh, now, the reason why uh, the, 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 the other two um, topics, professional capital, systems change, have mostly been siloed uh, is, uh, I think it comes out of um, where you place your attention when looking at educational change. Uh, mostly the professional capital field, the field of uh, teacher practice, etc., cetera, are, uh, are focusing on the micro level of, of change, how teachers learn to do their work, how, what they do when they're working with students, etc. whereas the system change takes a more macro view of, of, uh, of educational change. So I think analytically or in terms of trying to understand the fields, uh, there have been some specialization in those who look at the, at the classroom and those who look at entire systems. We do feel like we're in a moment where the micro and the macro are starting to converge and they're starting to come together, realizing, for example, that bottom-up change in itself is not sustainable, but also only top-down change doesn't work. So we're starting to see that in the most successful cases, both top-down and bottom-up forces converge um, to, to bring out a, a common agenda that is appealing both to teachers working in classrooms and to policymakers working at the top level of educational systems. And I would add that, you know, our book really is designed to put forward ideas that are not always surfaced. And so we also feel the educational change field is uniquely positioned to be inclusive of these diverse disciplines and streams and invite them to a broader conversation of what it takes to improve and sustain innovate in our educational system in a way that's authentic and inclusive, integrative, transformational. And, you know, I was thinking of... Uh, 
Andy Hargraves and Dennis Shirley's work on the fourth wave of educational change. And this book sort of starts the conversation around this notion of the fourth way of being about public engagement and community transformation, but uh, partnerships and change makers, engagement of voice, systemic and sustainable uh, systems. So we try to offer kind of a, a contextual analysis of both the current educational research factors, while also looking towards the future of some of the thought-provoking uh, and provocative arguments of how we can also challenge ourselves where we are in the field and where we need to head next. You mentioned Andy Hargraves, who wrote the foreword for your book. Um, and in that foreword, he mentioned that he hopes that the book will help all its readers think about how to make good change more possible and bad change less defensible. And I was wondering how you two think about good and bad change in education. How do you define good and bad change? Uh, I think it comes down to the question of why and why we educate people. And I think at the core of, uh, of my definition of good is uh, whether it serves the, per the humanity uh, or not. Uh, there has been or if, or, or, uh, good educational changes, uh, change that helps us get closer to our um, fundamental uh, nature as humans, uh, as human beings, uh, there's a lot of work. Uh, it, it should not be assumed. That's that's the first thing I would say. It should not be assumed that change by itself is good. Uh, and there have been some scholars that have been pointing out that educational change all, 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 always has a sharp edge as well. Um, in the United States, in particular, I believe the the wave of reform that uh, introduced high stakes accountability and uh, uh, and uh, I would say vicious testing of students and, uh, you know, introducing very high stakes to schools and to teachers who were not able to show adequate progress in uh, standardized test scores of the students uh, created a very toxic environment that, uh, you know, whose consequences many students and teachers continue to face to this day. I think uh, the core of the problem of uh, of those at, of that attempt of those attempts to improve uh, teaching uh, teaching and learning or to improve student outcomes was that they were very counter to human motivation they were very much focused on uh, providing external punishments for people to act differently and uh, what's uh, what the, the developmental psychology and what all the research that we have um, uh, accumulated so far shows is that really what moves teachers to do things differently is, is has to be intrinsically motivating, um, and uh, high stakes accountability has uh, failed to do that. So when thinking about again coming back to your question of what is good, what is bad educational change, I do believe that at its core, uh, it's the matter of the extent to which they bring us closer. To our human, to our humanity, or they move us away from it. And I would say that we are seeing these conversations uh, both in the U.S. context and also internationally. I mean, our book has uh, coverage of six continents and eight countries, uh, and you see some of these themes. Uh, both our uh, our co-editor Kristen Q, who was a BC alum and now at the New Mexico State University, you know, her focus is to broaden the conversation around professional capital. So attention to Santiago's point is looking at change about how do we also transform our cultures and our behaviors and our practices at the school level and micro level, but also start focusing kind of the what Brath and Brenner calls her the mesosystems, the, the school and the community intersection. And the whole system change is really challenging this kind of top-down unidirectional uh, high pace, high stakes uh, trend 
that we have seen uh, across the globe in many contexts and really start to think about how do we really make meaningful change where it requires multiple voices at the table, uh, really community engagement and transformation, giving time for uh, policy change, really uh, using data to inform our work. Uh, not to drive sort of a, the wrong drivers, as Michael Fullen calls it. Um, so, again, it's not necessarily the, the binary of the good and bad. It's really understanding more nuanced way. How do we, what do we have learned from the uh, past work in school reform and school turnaround transformation, both domestically, internationally, and how do we take that uh, in, in a way that focuses on equity on, on both ends in terms of inputs and outcomes for all the children and, and youth? And uh, if I may add, let me just bring an additional reflection to the question of the good or the bad educational change. I, I will, if we were to think of a more technical definition, uh, the good or the right kind of um, reforms are those that produce their intended outcomes mostly in terms of improved student learning, improved equity in student outcomes. Those would be kind of the right or the good kind of educational change, whereas the wrong um, trends would be those that are not able or unsuccessful in producing their intended outcomes as measured by student learning, uh, student engagement, uh, teacher commitment, etc. Well, your book sounds like a really exciting addition to the conversation around educational change, and I'm so glad you were able to join us to talk about it. Helen Jans Malone and Santiago Rincon Gallardo's new book, Future Directions of Educational Change, will be on bookshelves this September, and we're looking forward to reading it then. Helen and Santiago, thanks so much for joining me on the Harvard EdCast. Thank you very much, Iman. Thank you. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your guest host, Iman Rastagari. Thanks so much for listening.